level up your hunting game and join the cause. Help preserve small town Texas hunting culture and become a more successful hunter by learning the best ways to squeeze the most out of your budget and precious time out in the field. Welcome to the Feed Bandit Podcast. Here are your resident bandits, Richard Kinchlow and Jimmy Byrne. Howdy, howdy, folks. Corn Bandit coming back at you with another Feed Bandit podcast. It is so good to be back on the air. Appreciate it. And that's uh, it's my daughter's, uh, well, that's bad timing, my daughter's little, uh, uh, what do you call it, iPad thing going off anyway. Okay, I think we took care of that. But they're uh, approaching six years old, so she'll definitely call back since I ignored her call. Uh, yes. Okay. Back to business. So yes, here again tonight. Welcome. Welcome. Good to be back on the air talking to everybody. Uh, you know, in last week's episode, we talked, you know, in particular, uh, well, it very, oh, look, look at that. Look at that. I'm, I'm going to talk to her now. Hi, darling. Hi, uh, uh, Katie's watching the movie. Okay. Okay. So I'll have, I'll have her call you. Okay. Okay, bye bye. Oh, that was that was really fun. So that was my daughter's best friend, my youngest daughter's best friend. So, okay, so hopefully uh, we'll see when she calls back because I don't think she'll take no for an answer. Um, talking in particular about this this massive freeze, which I find out actually has a name. This this winter storm that came down, just the you know the the repercussions of the storm were being felt all over the state, not only in the wildlife but the the fish too, which. I won't get into too much of the fish because, uh, well, you can just imagine it's, it's it's awful, you know, especially on the coast. The coast just, you know, the 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 saltwater fish, you know, they they can't deal with those sorts of things. And we're looking at a fish kill down there of, of epic proportions, and I hate that word epic. Um, so so here we are a couple weeks later, and and we're really starting to see a lot of the results. Um, you know, unfortunately, bad results of this. Uh, of this freeze, and it's it's not only animals that have perished; it's uh, it's food sources as well. So you know, something I didn't even think about. So um, it remains to to be seen. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through two articles today that that I found. Uh, one's gonna be in the Dallas Morning News in the outdoor section. I uh, really like the Dallas Morning News outdoor writer. Uh, seems like a real uh, knowledgeable guy. Uh, he's got big shoes to fill. He's filling Mister Sasser's shoes. So. Um, I'll uh, I'll kind of skim through that one. I want to actually read this one article uh, that I have here in um, uh, Texas Monthly. So um, I, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see what you guys think about it, and uh, and we'll we'll take it from there. So this first article is uh, is from the Dallas Morning News. Like I said, this is uh, the title is "How Did Texas Fisheries and Wildlife and Habitats Hold Up in the Winter Storm." Uh, early reports aren't so encouraging. So, and of course, you can look at this picture, and we're, we're going to post these articles down below. And uh, but it's just, it's, I mean, it's devastating. It's got a picture of a, oh, it's probably on the coast, and you know, a bunch of redfish and trout bottom up. Uh, I guess it's probably a good day to be a crab, right? Uh, you know, because they eat all that, and the, you know, what shorebirds are left are are definitely going to take advantage of that. But um, really, this this writer here kind of interviews some of the the top powers that be. Uh, in particular, I think he's talking to one of the whitetail, you know, the whitetail deer, the whitetail deer program manager for Texas Parks and Wildlife, a gentleman by the name of uh, Alan Kane. And uh, Mr. Kane basically goes on to say that 
uh, he is he is not too concerned about the white-tailed deer population in the state of Texas, um, except for the the for a couple of older animals, of course. Um, again, that's that's to be expected. You know, we got a lot of older animals that didn't didn't fare very well. Uh, and and again, this is really some of the some of the key reasons why when you start to get those bucks up in the five six. Six and seven and a half year old, especially the seven and a half year old range, white-tailed deer typically don't live past eight and a half. Um, you, you've really cut that supplemental pro. That supplemental feeding is so important, okay? Because these guys are out there slugging it out for the does, and uh, it, it's it's very important. So, like he goes on to say here, obviously some mortality of very old deer or those in poor body condition is to be expected. This is just nature, survival of the fittest. I mean, that that's perfect. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. And again, like we've always said on this on this podcast, you cannot, you can't play God. I don't care how many protein feeders you have. I don't care if you've got a, a butler out there taking care of them. You just, you, you just can't beat it. You can't, uh, you can't play God. But you can certainly do what you can to to try to help these critters get through, uh, you know, get 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 through this type of uh, situation. So. Um, one of the things Kane does point out is, is talking about the, the potential damage uh, done to a lot of the um, of the, the habitat. Okay, and he comes down here and talks, you know, specifically about a lot of the um, some of these bush these brush species in South Texas, you know, that had green leaves before the freeze, but are now are now dead. They're brown. Uh, and so he says, uh, you know, we're also seeing an, uh, some impact on winter weeds, which are critical for deer this time of year and into the early spring. Now, of course, as we know, you know, in Texas, spring green up typically comes in March. You know, so these animals are uh, are uh, uh, a couple of weeks away. Um, but, you know, obviously the, any, any loss in, um, in in habitat, especially feed uh, feed plants is or uh, food sources is is definitely devastating, and also depends on the area. You know, you look at the hill country. We were think, talking last time, you know, about the hill country and some of those places that have been just tremendously overgrazed. You know, well, you know, back then I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, yeah, not only are these places overgrazed, okay, but you know the the the, the weeds, the forbs that are available, the grass that is available for the for the exotics probably could burn up and freeze and die. Uh, then you've really got yourself a um, uh, a problem. So uh, I, I like this article. It really points out a lot of good stuff, you know, especially about the the food sources. Again, some things I didn't uh, didn't think about. And of course, he goes on talks a little bit about you know how hopefully a lot of the the snow and moisture and whatnot will be soaked into the soil and will lead to a nice a nice spring green up. Which it's it's kind of crazy. Here we are. I think a week and a half, two weeks after that storm, and it's. I mean, it's 67 and, and 70 degrees outside, so uh, definitely a um, uh, a nice change of pace. So he goes on a little bit further and talks, you know, starting to get into the exotics again. Again, you know, the axis deer, the black buck antelope, uh, definitely two of the more popular, if not the most popular exotic species in the, in the state of Texas, uh, extremely important to... Um, you know, to the livelihood of a lot of these ranches. And of course, you got the trickle down effect, what's good for the ranches, uh, the brings in people are good for those little towns. So, um, you know, this, this exotic die off um, and this, 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 you know, potential crisis that we have in a way is, you know, is definitely far reaching and impacts more than just the people hunting them. Uh, so obviously something to, 
uh, to think about. But he comes in here and talks about how he's heard reports of, you know, Axis deer that are typically extremely wily, okay, and are extremely crazy. You know, they're, they're kind of one of those animals that you see one day and then you don't see them for a year. The next time you see them, there's 300 of them. It's just, it's crazy like that. Um, talking about how they, they've really let go a lot of their natural instinct uh, because of just the, ju because of the storm just to survive. And they talk about how a lot of them, uh, a lot of the axis and whatnot came up into the, into barns and things of that nature, which is, which is just crazy. I mean, again, you, you just don't see that happening. So we'll, uh, we'll continue on here on this other article about the axis deer uh, in particular here in a moment, but um, jumping on, they, they talked to another, um, uh, another specialist, uh, the Tex Parks and Wildlife Wild Turkey Program leader, a uh, gentleman by the name of Jason Harden, and uh, he talks about uh, the wild turkey, and again, he basically says wild turkeys are big and hardy birds. Uh, likewise, TPNW uh, Wild Turkey Program leader Jason Harden uh, isn't expecting to see any major impacts uh, from the big freeze. And he basically says the turkey should be fine. They should have enough fat and energy reserves to survive. Uh, of course, any of the malnourished, injured, sick birds are, are, are going to pass away. But, but again, just like deer, uh, it is, um, it, it is, it's just kind of survival of the fittest. This is, this is nature at its best. And of course, as we know, nature can be, uh, cruel, but unfortunately very effective too. So, uh, he does talk about how, you know, they, they will have depleted fat reserves. So, uh, let's just, you know, if turkey season was, uh, was had started in Texas, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you probably have a pretty good hunt because you know they're hitting those food sources uh, very, very hard. So uh, he talks a little bit about how the depleted fat reserves could actually have an impact on the nesting season. So it, it reduces uh, reproductive efforts. Uh but if, again, if it stays warm and green, he's basically saying we, we, we should be good to go. You know, I've always been taught that you know, wild turkey hens will not go and uh, actually lay eggs until uh, the soil reaches X temperature. So if we have a cold spring, of course, that ends up being real bad. Now, at, the, the, um, um, at Rancho Bandito, the past couple of years, we've had extremely warm spring. So our, our, our turkey cup runneth over. Uh, so, yeah. So that's kind of the situation with the turkey. Uh, go on to talk to another specialist for Tex Parks and Wildlife, a gentleman by the name of Robert Perez. He is the Upland Game Bird Leader, and he's talking about quail, the money bird, as kind of like to call them. And, um, you know, again, quail, we, we've talked a little bit about quail. And, uh, you know, as far as survival is concerned, you know, they're, <laughs> they, they really need everything to kind of go their way in order for them to survive long-term. So, um, you know, he, he talks in here about, uh, you know, with the right escape cover available, the covey formations does an excellent job of heat retention. So they all kind of huddle together. Um, you know, snowfall, especially dense snowfall, uh, you know, can obviously affect, um, can affect their flushing cover. Didn't even really think about that, but it's true. And of course, you know, the other thing is make it difficult for them to uh, make it difficult for them to, to find food. Uh, he does talk about how lasting events like the three or four day spell could be uh, could be trouble for him. So um, you know, we I guess we'll have to we'll have to see. And he talks about them again. We, we talked about this, but, 
you know, being able to uh, to scratch. That's kind of what they do, scratch for their food, right? You know, if they got to dig through ice, that's a problem, you know. And obviously, once that um, once that fat reserve has been burned through, burned through them, then the animal dies. So, um, hopefully, you know, quail have made a great, great comeback in the state of Texas. Or we'll say that too loud, of course, right? Because it wasn't just but two years ago or three years ago when they were you know, on the brink of, uh, of, of disaster. So, um, you know, fingers crossed for the quail. Hopefully they will, uh, they'll do okay. Uh, the article goes on, uh, talks to the migratory bird program leader, a guy named Owen Fitzsimmons, great name, by the way. And, um, it talks about the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the, the dove, the doves, the ducks, and the bats. And, of course, everybody's, I think a lot of people have heard a lot about the bats. And bat situation was not good. A lot of people, a lot of bats died, which uh, which sucks. But, you know, again, they're just not used to this. Uh, it talks here a little bit about um, you know, multiple blue-winged teal. They've been reporting lots of blue-winged teal being dead. Now, of course, you listen to this show, you should be an expert about uh, blue wing teal, because as we know, blue wing teal are the first duck to make their way from Antarctica or, Antarctica or wherever Santa Claus lives uh, during that first uh, that first cold snap, uh, quote unquote, in, that they see in August to make their way down to Texas. And then from Texas in September, you know, they'll, they'll be added there and they're making their way to Colombia, uh, Mexico, to where it's it's very warm. So uh, obviously, those birds coming back to the snow uh, here on their way back north, uh, that's just not going to make their trip any easier. Uh, you know, will we see a, a change in, my, in, the, in the teal harvest recommendations? Probably not. You know, if, if you're going to have a bird, if you're going to have any of the duck uh, species that's struggling, teal's the one you want because they are, thank God, very plentiful and they just happen to be my favorite duck. So... Um, even though we didn't shoot many this year, but I'm not bitter about that or anything. We'll be thinking about it for the next several months up until, you know, September 29th when the season starts again. But you know how that goes. So um, that is the first article. All right, folks. And the second article that we're going to be talking about today, and again, this one I haven't read as much, but this was in the uh, Texas, uh, Texas Monthly, which I... Uh, I, I tend to disagree with some, but, and then this kind of this title kind of ticks me off a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's me reading in too much of it, but uh, so it says Axis deer have uh, had overrun, had, have, should be have overrun. It's not like they're, they're gone. Overrun the Texas Hill Country. Uh, the winter storm devastated them. And then it says, the kind of the subtitle is, exotic species brought to Texas from Africa and Asia fared poorly in freezing temperatures. Before we jump into this, I, I think it is very important to say that, um, yes, absolutely, you know, exotics were brought here. They were brought here for hunting and whatnot. But uh, I will tell you this much right here. You know, the fact that in Texas we can hunt year-round is, 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 is tremendous. Again, we talked about kind of in that in that first little segment we did in the article about the importance of these ranches having game animals for people to hunt. So people fly here from all over the country, okay? Uh, they drive in from Texas. They use our roads. They use our gas. They 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 support our small towns. So you know, exotics. Yes, they they can certainly be a problem in the hill country. 
they can certainly be a problem. And yeah, they're causing some issue with the white-tailed deer, but you know what? They're supporting our small Texas towns. So, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I don't think it's, um, I, I think, I don't think it's that big of a, uh, that, that big of a, a huge thing. So, um, it, this article really kind of talks about the situation, um, that, that's, uh, about the exotic, about axis deer in particular, and, um, you know, what's, what exactly is, is going homes going on. So, uh, this article kind of talks, says, you know, it says the state of Texas is a home, of approximately 130 so-called Texotics, which I think is actually a really cool little name, which hunters pay thousands of dollars for the opportunity to shoot a trophy buck or bull, whoever, or who, uh, who, who lingers ling or whose lineages are typically traced to the hot climates of Africa uh, and Asia. And so, yes, absolutely. That, that is definitely true. But of course, you know, the article talks about bucks and bulls. Well, I guess what they also shoot does, hinds and cows too, which are the female species. So uh, let's, let's not make it think here. It's all about um, out there shooting a, um, a, a trophy, you know, trophy animals all the time. Uh, talks a little bit. It says the winter storm Yuri, which I had no idea had a name. I think it's kind of funny. It's a Russian name too. Well, I think it's Yuri, U-R-I, uh, devastated the industry. Charlie Seal, the Exotic Wildlife Association president, told the Washington Post, give me a break, that his hill country ranch alone lost more than 2 million in animals, including 85 axes during the, uh, during the storm. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate to hear that, and, and I definitely feel for him. Uh, it, it, it talks, goes down here and talks about a gentleman, a, uh, a Texas tech doctoral student who's guy's probably a genius, five million dollars. I give him to you, give it to him with a great school. And he says, uh, the axes suffered from the freeze throughout their range, but primarily in open grasslands where they couldn't bed down on thick cover. I think that's a really important piece because not all the hill country, but a lot of the hill country that I've seen has got those gorgeous little mid-story oaks, right? And they got a lot of rocks, um, but in some pastures, you know, they, they don't have a lot of native grasses. And of course, those native grasses, like we're so blessed to have at Rancho Bandito, are insulators. I mean, it's just like sitting on a bale of hay, you know, for cattle. Uh, so um, I think that I think that that's extremely important. I think that's why well, obviously the majority of the axis are in the hill country. And I think that's why they statistically took such a beating down there. But um, and then it goes on to say the time, the timing was particularly bad for axis is about 70% of the species reproduced in February. I had no idea. Uh, so this cold, this whole, this cold basically hit them when they're, um, you know, when they were, were, were most vulnerable. I, I had no idea. I had no clue. You know, now the, the big thing in Texas is they talk about the exotics and they're breeding all the time and how they have no established breeding season like white-tailed deer do. So, yeah, but what this is saying is, is that, you know, they reap, you know, 70% of the species reproduces in February. I did not know that. Um, I don't know if that's the case on Rancho Bandito. I, I know that I hear our axis uh, roar, if you will, um, and, and they typically do that. And um, uh, they typically do that in like July. So uh, that's very interesting. This article kind of goes on to talk about uh, some of the folks that are in the hill country and uh, who are not big fans of the axis, you know, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it that axis deer are exotics. Um, you know, they definitely interfere with the white-tailed deer. And let's not forget axis deer are grazers and browsers. Okay. So that's, 
That is very important because they that means they definitely do compete in a situation like this, uh, you know, where the where the the native um, the native grazing plants are are done. That axis deer herd of axis deer they'll flip right over to the uh, to to the browse, which of course um, will uh, interfere with the whitetail. Uh, another very interesting piece here. It says that some of the stomachs of the dead axis deer were filled with undigested plant material. Uh, to Leslie, which is one of the the the, the, the volunteers who's examining dead uh, dead deer, it says to Leslie it looked and smelled like yard clippings. Their fecal samples were also largely undigested, uh, leading Buckholtz to speculate that hypothermia could have rendered the deer unable to digest plants by the changing temperature of bacteria in their guts. Wow, uh, that is. Um, that is that is definitely uh, you know definitely a problem. So uh, let's see here. Um, let's see uh, Leslie, who describes himself as a sworn enemy of free ranging axis deer. Uh, Oppenheimer and Buckholtz all participated in the Hill Country Alliance's axis deer control program, which I think is great. Uh, I know they definitely need that in a lot of places. Which launched earlier this month to address the ever increasing populations of axis. The species has been blamed for overbrowsing the hill country out of competing uh, native white-tailed deer food and causing erosion and damage in rivers and creeks. Now, I had no idea that that was the case. Uh, that, that, is, that is crazy. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that's always been a problem with the axis deer. I didn't know the whole erosion piece. That's, that's absolutely nuts. But um, uh, so, so, yeah, and, of course, they, they go on to, to talk here basically about uh, you know, he says, given their ability to bounce back and reproduce, I don't know what long-term effect this will have on the axis. Uh, they should come back pretty quickly. He says, uh, axis are notable, uh, uh, notably wily creatures and are less likely to visit game feedery and watering stations than white-tailed deer. That is certainly true. Um, yeah, what else is it here? Let's see. Uh, the, the, hey, one, one of the things they, they have said is uh, the, because of this opportunity, you know, since these animals are so wily and they don't see them all the time, he says that you know because of this situation, you know the the researchers have been able to um, have been able to 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 research these animals and and, and check them out. Uh, which again, you know, there's not a lot of uh, of research on the axis deer in the state of Texas, so on and so forth. I would think a lot of the the money from you know the Texas legislature would be used to re it, for what funds available, I should say, would be used for for the native game species. So you know, seeing all these axis deer up close, you know, the seeing how this freeze can you know, has affected them, I, I think, can definitely benefit us in the future. Um, it's some, kind of some closing thoughts I, I've kind of had on this whole thing. It will be very interesting to see just how quickly a lot of these uh, a lot of these ranches bounce back. Uh, you know, again, at, at this point, are we going to have any more snow? Well, here it is. You know, the the first of March. I doubt it. Not thinking that we're going to have any nasty weather. Of course, we could always have the tornadoes and all that kind of good stuff. But the the long term blanketing snow, uh, I, I don't think so. So. Uh, where are the chances we're going to have another freeze like this again? God, I have no idea. It's my first one to ever go through, and I'm 40 years old. So, I mean, can you call this a 100-year freeze? Maybe so. But uh, I think we've learned – I think there's a lot of folks that learned a lot of lessons, you know, from this situation. And I think you're going to start to see a lot more people 
watching the uh, watching the temperature uh, or watching the forecast rather. And I think you're also going to see a lot of people who weren't supplemental feeding uh, get into supplemental feeding because uh, uh, again, I, I don't want to say that the, the supplemental feeding saved the the animals at Rancho Bandito, but it sure as hell didn't hurt. Uh, oh, and, and and to give you an update on that, if some people have, have been wondering. Uh, as far as our black bug and axis herd is concerned, we have only we only lost one black bug antelope, and, and crazy enough, he died right on our front porch, which is you know, of course makes all the makes my wife sad. He said he was probably knocking at the door. I'm like, well, you know what? If, if he was, and I'm thinking to myself, what what if he was there? Would I open the door? And of course, the answer is probably yes. Knowing my luck, after he warms up, he'd gore me crap all over my house, and that would that would suck. But uh, hey, at least I saved his life, right? But. Now, there's a lot we can learn from this situation, and, um, you know, I, I hope that, uh, obviously, I hope it never happens again, so, uh, but rest assured, these critters are hardy, uh, they will certainly bounce back in, in, in a good way, you know, my, I hope and pray this doesn't, is, is the effects of this aren't too hard on the, uh, on the small towns and whatnot, so, you know, that being said, for the, for the folks that are going to be going on exotic hunt, maybe they've got one planned with turkey season, they've got one planned in the summer, uh, you know, and if you're if you're booked to hunt a, you know, a certain species like an axis deer and a certain amount, you know, a certain uh, type of axis deer as far as the you know points or whatnot is concerned, I, I'd probably call ahead and make sure, hey, are you, you know, you uh, what's the availability of what I'm looking for? Because they could have lost a tremendous amount of animals. So uh, anyway, just a, a little tip for you. But uh, anyway, uh, that is all I got. Uh, we will do something. We'll talk about something other than the big freeze next week, but a lot of good information on this stuff. So I uh, think it's important and talk about a big lesson learned. So until next time, my friends, thank you so much. Support your local feed store. Oh, happy Texas Independence Day. God knows we need to talk about that more and uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Feed Bandit Podcast. If you like what we discuss on the show, be sure to sign up to our email list to get even more killer hunting ideas, tips, tricks, and exclusive deals on innovative hunting gear and services delivered straight to your inbox. Sign up over at FeedBandit.com or simply by texting the word BANDIT to 33777. See you on the next one. And remember, support your local feed store.